submit a story, topic, or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com. Also, email Jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560-271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon, where you will get exclusive content, shoutouts, and much more. And you can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Skiba News Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. I want to know what the truth is. And I hope that people, my son, anybody, if my name comes up, whether you like me, whether you agree with me or not, at least you could respect the fact that he's on a quest for truth. He's on a quest for truth. Welcome to Skiba News Nation. Bringing you unfiltered views, news, interviews, discussions, and more. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Skiba, award-winning musician and son of Rob Skiba. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, welcome to episode 65 of Skiba News Nation, your weekly source of the latest news, controversial topics, conspiracies, forgotten history, and so much more. I'm your host, Jeremiah Skiba. This is my cat, Charlie, and today we're going to be talking about FEMA and the FCC nationwide emergency alert test. We're also going to be talking about Marina Abramovich and her appointment by Vladimir Zelensky to deal with the children there in Ukraine. We're going to be talking about a squad Democrat who pulled a fire alarm to disrupt Congress proceedings and actually, in the process, did exactly what January 6 rioters are being charged with. Ukraine now desperately is calling for girls to fight, so women must now report for duty. Hundreds in Maryland report UFO sightings as Congress pushes for transparency. Every five minutes, your iPhone could be taking pictures of you in infrared. And what really happened to the missing Malaysian Airlines flight 370. So as always, I'd like to introduce my great and insightful co-host, Mr. Jake Grant. Welcome, Jake. I hope you're doing well. Hey, uh, what's up, Jeremiah? I hope you're doing well. Uh, we are on the road now, so doing a, a little bit of a, a different 
uh, location broadcast for our Skiba News Nation show. Uh, hope you guys will uh, forgive the lack of cool background. Uh, I know last week I was coming from uh, a tent, and you can't get much cooler than that. We should be back to my normal studio next week after Sukkot ends. And speaking of that, we're having an absolute blast here uh, at the Festival of Booths, or Sukkot. It's a, it's a really great time where uh, believers come out of Babylon, so to speak, and practice living in community in the wilderness, living in booths or, or camping. And uh, it, it's a time that we reflect that the Almighty preserved and protected and provided for the children of Israel when they left Egypt. And it's also uh, prophetically a significant time in terms of uh, belief in the coming Messiah and Yeshua. Uh, there's a concept in the prophets called the greater exodus and it's one of my favorite little talked about prophetic topics in all of the bible and if you're interested in that i would suggest you check out this website called the exodusx.com or exodusx.com and it breaks down this concept of a greater exodus uh but all of those verses point to a time where uh people are going to be coming into the wilderness, and if you haven't practiced, if you're not prepared, it's going to be a little bit more of a bumpy ride. So that's what we love to do. We love to camp, spend time with uh, friends and family out in the wilderness, so to speak, as we go camping for uh, a little over eight days, uh, sometimes a little bit longer, as you know, it's, we try to squeeze as much time out of the feast as we can, of course, but uh, it's an amazing time, and uh, we're having a blast. We're halfway through it now, and... Uh, yeah, so I just wanted to share how that was going. And I know we got a good current news, so let's dive right in. All right, so many of you may have heard conspiracies going around about a FEMA alert that was going to go out on our phones. A lot of people were claiming this would be the big conspiratorial day of, you know, some crazy event happening or whatnot. And I got the alert on my phone at the same time my wife did. Uh, however, nothing crazy happened. But I wanted to ask our audience, what do you guys think that this nationwide emergency alert uh, system is going to be used for in the future in terms of your personal conspiratorial views? And so I was very interested to see your thoughts. Please leave those in the live chat and in the comments below the video. And uh, and I have a, a little theory of my own. Perhaps this is why the national emergency alert went out. Jill, I think I just texted the whole country. <laughs> oh, man, I, I couldn't help but to share that right off the bat. I know it's more like akin to our meme segment meme. A little funny, but uh, perhaps that's why the national emergency alert went out. Uh, but anyways, with that said, I really do think it uh, is a tool that could be used to control a narrative of perhaps a red flag event, or if there's some type of uh, war or disaster or emergency, this system would be what's used to pretty much dish out the rules and the mandates to Everyone, you know, in North America, uh, you know, as per FEMA and FCC uh, rules and regulations, we saw what happened, you know, in 2020. Imagine if they start rolling this out, if there's some kind of big uh, uh, pandemic scare coming down the chute or, or something real, perhaps. Uh, but there's more to meet to the eye. This is the kind of uh, system that would help control a narrative.
Alrighty. With that said, uh, recently, uh, Marina Abramovich, who is well known for uh, being in kind of occult circles, uh, was invited by Zelensky, Vladimir Zelensky, to be an ambassador of Ukraine to help children affected by rebuilding schools and such. And because this was a recent appointment, I wanted to share a video breaking down uh, who Marina Abramovich is and her association with the occult. And it really demonstrates the circles that this whole uh, Ukrainian hierarchy conspiracy all dabble in. And so uh, Vladimir and Marina and uh, the Bidens, right? Let's see uh, the kind of belief set that Marina, who is appointed to help with the children, actually holds. These characters exist. You know, they're, they're, they're certainly out there. And, you know, one of them being a man named Aleister Crowley, who he was a very popular figure in the early 1900s where he was, he was exploring these things and he was huge into Eastern mysticism. And he was writing about these things and talking about how, you know, things like um, sexual pleasure causing ecstasy can open up certain doors into strengthening your will to do certain things that you thought unthinkable before and how it was just a matter of exercising the will to do things that you didn't think you're, you're capable of doing before. And as that, as that increases, as it progresses, you find yourself doing things that, you know, were unthinkable to you, you know, like harming a child or, you know, engaging or torture or something, you know, just unthinkable, mm -hmm. awful things. And so there, there, there are practitioners who do that, you know, even like modern day stuff like that is happening. And a certain amount of this was exposed during the 2016 election. Really? Yeah. So I, I don't know if you're familiar with the name Marina Abramovich. No. So she was, a she's a, you're for a trip. I can't wait for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pull it up Thursday. I don't want it on the search history. All right, we'll go, all right, we'll... <laughs> okay. Tell so, me. Yeah. So there's, there's a popular, um, I guess you could call her influencer. She, she does some work with the, the elite political sphere and the elite popular culture people where they, they approach her mm -hmm. and she becomes like a, um, like a, a director, like a spiritual director where I'm going to give you a certain number of things to do. And if you do those things, you're going to attain what it is that you want to attain, mm -hmm. whether it's political power or fame. Wow. And so some of the things that she's accused of doing or having people do is, I mean, it's satanic witchcraft, you know, so like things like cutting yourself, drinking blood, um, engaging in orgies and all sorts of like depraved things that spirit it, cooking, spirit cooking. Yep. What's spirit cooking? Go ahead. There's a, <laughs> oh, 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 I got to Google it. It's super weird. Mm -hmm. She did this for Hillary. Um, no, she yeah, didn't. she was Hillary's. Uh, wow. Google is just openly listening now. That's fun. No joke. My phone just started like turned on. Um, <laughs> so, uh, she did this for Hillary. Um, a bunch of this stuff. She had spirit cooking parties with Hillary. Holy um, mackerel. Yeah. So all of the uh, rights assumptions that the Clintons may be demonically influenced were... All right. I won't make the claim fully. She's done work with Jay-Z, Beyonce, uh, Lady Gaga, Lady Gaga so, uh, the Clintons. Uh, she did some stuff with Kim right before Kanye and yeah. Kim got divorced and uh, Kim started having what affairs. Is that? But, uh, it's dark witchcraft. 
so as it sounds like you're saying that things came to the surface, what she was telling people to do mm. were really nefarious stuff. Right. Okay. So since that happened, since I know nothing about this mm. and I'm not, not disappointed that I don't, have people tried to defend themselves who've, who've been known to seek her help? I, ha I haven't heard any, uh, <laughs> I haven't heard any um, celebrities come out and defend her, but yeah, like, uh, like Thursday was saying, there were a number of them that were using her as, as yeah, it's, it's like the opposite of okay, a spiritual director. Okay, what is director. this? What's cleaning the mirror? Uh, Clean the mirror consisted of five monitors playing footage in which Abramovich scrubs a grimy human skeleton in her lap. She vigorously brushes the different parts of the skeleton with soapy water. Each monitor is dedicated to one of the, the skeleton, one part of the skeleton. So the, the Wikipedia page is just all of, like a lot of listed um, things she did. And like I'm the sorry, ones we, we can I, prove. Can we finish? Can, do you mind if I yeah. finish this, or is okay. it? Or do you know something about it that I'm like? You go ahead. Each month, okay. your show. I did not know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's my show to drive directly off the cliff. Um, okay, each video is filmed with its own sound, creating an overlap. As the skeleton becomes cleaner, Abramovich becomes covered in the grayish dirt that was once covering the skeleton. This three-hour performance is filled with metaphors of the Tibetan death rites that prepare disciples to become one with their own mortality. The pieces consist of three-piece series, Cleaning the Mirror 1, yada, yada, yada. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if we want to read the spirit cooking entry right below it out loud. Sure. We don't me, have to. Let me let me read the description and not the recipe. That sounds eh? good. Yep. So she worked with Jacob Samuel to produce a cookbook of quote aphrodisiac recipes mm -hmm. called Spirit Cooking. Been there. These recipes were meant to be quote evocative instructions for actions or for thoughts. For example, ah. and then, yeah, let's not. Ah. <laughs> oh my gosh! This woman's evil. Mm -hmm. Yes. This woman is evil, and you're she saying has Hillary Clinton is She has her. spiritual uh, authority over probably most of the Democrat shot callers. Mm -hmm. And they're out, they're okay being associated Everybody with knows her. about it. I mean, they just kill anybody and say it was suicide if it... I am not suicidal. <laughs> you want to look into the cameraman and yeah. say, I have not... <laughs> Me? I am not suicidal. <laughs> Your turn, Steven. I am not suicidal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's a fun thing we did. What does she say she practices? Who? This Bram well, she, she claims to be a performance artist. Oh. Yeah. You know, so I, I guess that's the way that she makes her... Um, but there's not like a religion or a thing she subscribes no, to. No, I mean, I, I think she's a priestess for Satan, I think. I think that mm -hmm. that's that's probably what she is, but I mean okay. that, that's still something far too taboo to say openly. All right, so you heard it there. Uh, very occultic ties, uh, kind of bumps shoulders in that upper echelon of government, uh, and it just makes you question why is Zelensky asking this particular lady to help and be an ambassador of Ukraine, and uh, maybe it's because she has pool with all these worldwide politicians because the you know so many of them are likely you know tied in with these secret societies and uh you know this is bohemian grove type stuff uh pushing and pulling to draw people into occultic ideology and 
Uh, and it's interesting that uh, we see this happening, and, and it's very publicized, kind of her, you know, artistic licenses. Uh, and so, I mean, it, it really does make me look at the whole situation in Ukraine and the figures that are surrounding supporting it. And uh, Vladimir Zelensky, uh, uh, he, he perhaps is just pulling the strings to draw in maybe politicians' favorite, you know, secret sorcerer. And, uh, and he's hoping to get more donations, uh, you know, sent his way. Um, in other news, uh, here was a Sun article saying, there's a chilling find that the common cold can trigger a killer blood clot disorder and scientists discover for the first time. And uh, I, I kind of laugh at this because, of course, we know uh, the sudden adult death syndrome that has been associated with a certain medical experiment that was dealt out in 2021 and other times. And, uh, and now they're blaming it on the common cold. All right. Well, so it has nothing to do with the squirt squirt juice, right? Whatever. So, and of course the FDA, which authorized the use of the thing that is likely causing the thing that's being blamed on the common cold, right? Uh, is all for our best interests and totally passes chemicals that are safe for human consumption, right? Well, here's a picture of uh, something that's in most of our drinking water or tap water. Uh, fluoride, so corrosive that special equipment is required to store it. It eats holes in concrete, dissolves metal and human flesh, but it's okay to add to our drinking water? Huh. Thank you, FDA, for protecting us, right? Uh, so I always thought that was funny. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, it makes you think. I mean, if the motivation is to make a profit and you have these chemical derivatives that are being used, you know, and sold to uh, treatment plants to be added to our water supply, uh, you got to ask the question, why? I mean, the, the argument I always heard growing up overseas where they didn't have fluoride in the water was, it helps your teeth stay pretty. Um, but, uh, of course, you know, uh, some of the early uses of fluoride was in concentration camps to keep people docile, right? Basically eating your brain, uh, turning your... Uh, drive to fight off. And I wonder how that could be useful in this modern new world order system that's slowly being implemented. All right. So let's get into, uh, our next topic. This is a video of a squad Democrat who's accused of pulling a fire alarm and thus doing the very same thing. January six rioters have been imprisoned and accused of. That's attention for you. New York Congressman Jamal Bowman, the former school principal, caught red-handed, pulling the fire alarm inside a House office building. The drama started earlier this afternoon when the House Administration Committee alerted reporters that the congressman pulled the fire alarm. Bowman told Fox he needed to open the door badly and thought that pulling the alarm would do the trick. Meanwhile, House Republican Marjorie Taylor Greene pointed out that Bowman violated the same law being used to prosecute January 6 rioters. I want to talk about Jamal Bowman pulling the, the fire alarm. Uh, Capitol Police are questioning him right now because it's on video. But he, this is the exact, he violated the exact same law that January 6 defendants are being prosecuted for every single day. He violated the exact same law, uh, interrupting an official proceeding, and it, by pulling a fire alarm, it's on video. 
Well, and, you know, we had a couple congressmen who are quick to take to X to definitely weigh in on the matter. We have Congressman Troy Nels, uh, who said, uh, holding up a pair of handcuffs, Jamal, are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> are we showing, do we have a full screen to show that? Oh, maybe not. Um, we also have Brian Mass, who put up uh, next to each other a door and a fire alarm just to make sure that, <laughs> you know, Congressman <laughs> Bowman knows the difference between the two. Joey, I'm going to, I'm going to start with you on this. You know, first of all, they actually make a, Marjorie Taylor Greene made a valid point. Um, you know, was this illegal in the sense that at, at minimum, it is a misdemeanor in D.C. area to pull a fire alarm if you are not concerned for a true fire. At most, the, you also have the obstruction of official proceedings, which is what you're seeing on a lot of January 6th charges. What's your take on it? I worked in the Cannon House office building. Um, I'd walk up a lot of steps just to get to a door. I was never on time sometimes because of all the work I had to put in to get in there. I never had, was in such a pinch to try to get a door open <laughs> that I confused a fire alarm uh, for a door handle. So I, I don't know, it, you know, he's obviously trying to lie his way out of this. I, I think I can say with with certain amount of certainty, he pulled the fire alarm on purpose, and he did it to obstruct what was happening. And you know, I just hope that what I really hope is that Hakeem Jeffries is so mad about it that it, that it, he gets he gets handled from within. That's what I really hope. <laughs> well, you know what? We did have a reporter. There was a reporter who was able to catch up with Jamal Bowman outside of their office, and this is what was said. You know, Bowman said, "I was rushing to make a vote. I was trying to get to a door. I thought the alarm would open a door." And uh. The reporter asked, so you pulled a fire alarm to open the door? Bowman, yes. Reporter, I, how does that make sense? Bowman, what do you mean? Reporter, <laughs> how do you, I mean, when have you ever pulled a fire alarm? You thought it says, it says fire on it. Bowman, I was just trying to get my vote. The door that's usually open wasn't open, and you know, I didn't mean to cause confusion. I didn't know it was going to trip the hole. I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know. I mean, Jason, you were in Congress. I mean, this, <laughs> what's your take on this? Um, sounds like an idiot. Um, let, let's yeah. go ahead and put that picture back up. If you look behind the congressman, there are two <laughs> doors with push handles. Yeah. Now, they may have said, don't open, there's a fire, you know, it caused the fire alarm to go up. It would have achieved both. It would have opened the door and caused the fire alarm to go up. Oh. But no, he did it. He's got his hand up. I want to see a picture of what's going on there. But he should be treated. He's the one that went out there like everybody else and said, nobody's above the law. If he didn't have that little pin on his on his uh, coat that says congressman, that person probably would be charged with interrupting a government proceeding. That's exactly what he did in this case. Critical time for to vote. We got hours till funding runs out on the yeah. on the whole government. The entire Cannon office building had to be evacuated. Police were called, fire departments called and and, and <laughs> Something's got to happen to it. It's well, got to be a consequence. And it came on the heels of the Democrats saying they wanted more time before the vote. So I don't know. I don't know about that story. But Kevin McCarthy himself, House Majority Leader, he's saying there should be an ethics investigation. All right. So I, I just wanted to share that. We've covered January 6th. Uh, conspiracies in the past. I know it was one of the reasons guys like Tucker Carlson were kicked from Fox News. But this video covering this Democrat pulling the fire alarm, saying he really needed to get out that door very badly, right, uh, is interesting because he was literally doing the same thing that people on January 6th were accused of, uh, you know, interrupting House proceedings, right? And uh, it's just, uh, it, it really, 
it shows hypocrisy in the system, I think. And we'll see if any uh, serious implications come towards this Democrat. Uh, but uh, if not, I wouldn't be surprised. In other news, it looks like Ukraine is running out of men to send as fodder to the battlefield, and Ukraine desperately calling girls to enlist. Well, Ukraine has run out of men to die in NATO's war, and now it's turning to women and younger boys to fill the ranks. That's right. Uh, we'll get to that part of the story in a second. You can see this headline here, Ukrainian women to be conscripted as the country faces Russian forces. So put a pin in that. We'll come back to it in a second. Friday, though, something happened in Ukraine, which got little fanfare in the West, almost no coverage of it whatsoever. The Western media was focused on the government shutdown and Trump indictments, of course, and largely ignored the story. The Associated Press, though, covered it uh, because the AP, of course, is an extension of the military industrial complex. Here was the headline. Ukraine hosts a defense industry forum seeking to ramp up weapons production for the war. So diving into this, Ukrainian President Zelensky held a meeting in Ukraine with 250 defense industry corporations from 30 different countries. You better get in while the getting's good. This is like, um, it's like going to Vegas, you know? It's like, I don't know, what would be the equivalent here? Um, I don't it's know, like lottery? It's like the song, Drop It While It's Hot. Yeah, because you know, a lottery get wouldn't it? really like bombs drop it while it's hot. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I was just trying to think of an equivalent. Like there's, it's everyone's running for this big pot of money right now. Is basically what's happening. It's a run Ukraine. on the bank. It's uh, it's I a wonderful life. I can't think of it. Okay, uh, you anyway, don't like any of mine. Twenty two hundred and fifty different defense industry corporations from thirty different countries, all all warmongers who are profiteering off of war. They came there in order to open factories. In Ukraine, instead of waiting on weapons to be shipped from other countries. So Zelensky invited them, saying, basically, we don't want the third party. We don't want to have to, like, ask the United States for weapons anymore. Build them here and we'll get first dibs on them. That That's the idea. And just open the factories here and we won't have to wait anymore on these weapons from these other countries. Germany, France, etc. We'll just get them right here. Zelensky called it an arsenal of democracy and an arsenal of the free world. Yeah. This is literally what he called it, the arsenal of the free world. As great anti-war journalist Caitlin Johnstone explains, Zelensky's speech twice made use of the phrase defense industrial complex and used the phrase arsenal of the free world no fewer than three times. Quote, Ukraine is developing a special economic regime for the defense industrial complex, Zelensky said, to give all opportunities to realize their potential to every company that works for the sake of defense in Ukraine and with Ukraine or that wants to come to Ukraine. So open up, baby. The floodgates of money are ready to rain down upon you. And Zelensky even tweeted the same thing. Here's his tweet. We held the first defense industry forum in Ukraine, gathering 252 leading defense companies from over 30 countries, North America, Australia, and Asia. Right now, the most powerful military industrial complexes are being determined. So, you know, when we use the, I don't know if he understands this, but like when we use the term military industrial complex, it's um, a it's negative a, thing. It's a pejorative. Yes. Yeah, it's got a negative connotation. But he's like, we're building the strongest military industrial complex. Um, that's the world we don't want, guy. Yeah, maybe you don't want that, but he, he's like all in on it. Uh, of course, he's right. I mean, he's not pulling any punches on this. The military industrial complex wants nothing more than to turn Ukraine into a giant arms factory. That's exactly what they want. Uh, paid for with your tax dollars. 
not just in the United States, of course, but in the UK and Germany and Canada, your money is going to create these weapons and funnel them over into Ukraine. All of those countries I just mentioned doubled down on additional monies and weapons to Ukraine. So while your countries begin to crumble, Germany, United States, yeah, we're taking care of Ukraine. That's no problem. So the mainstream media in the U.S. is totally on board with this, as you can imagine. Here's the Wall Street Journal's amazing piece of journalism in support of the military-industrial complex. They titled this piece, In Defense of the Defense Industry. And basically the crux of the article is that we should all be on board with these guys because uh, these guys are keeping you safe. These guys, if we didn't have the Raytheons, the Northrop Grumman's, and building all of these weapons and all of these, uh, all of these aircraft and all of the, that, that Putin would literally be invading you. Those were his words, literally in the article. If we didn't have the military-industrial complex, these thugs, these hooligans, these tyrants would be invading you, and you would be less safe as a result of it. Of course, no one stands to make more money in this boondoggle than BlackRock, and BlackRock owns huge stakes in Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, Boeing, General Dynamics, Northrop Grumman. Isn't it amazing? I mean, they literally own all of these companies. These firms are the top recipients of Pentagon funds. As William Hartung reports, the weapons companies reported supported by BlackRock are also on the leading edge of the Pentagon's dangerous and unnecessary $1.2 trillion nuclear weapons buildup, which aims to create a new generation of nuclear bombers, Northrop Grumman, ballistic missile submarines, General Dynamics, nuclear warheads, Honeywell, Bechtel, and other firms, a submarine-launched ballistics missiles, Lockheed Martin, and more. Of course, but the point on the front end of this, um, just on the, on the front end, which is the destruction of Ukraine and an extended war with Russia that experts predict will go well past 2030. You see, BlackRock makes money on the weapons, right? And they make money on the rebuilding. Basically, BlackRock destroys Ukraine and then also rebuilds Ukraine. That's a hell of a business model. How'd they get their hands in that? So they're making money on the front end, destroying Ukraine, and then they're making money on the back end, rebuilding it. That's a double dipper. I mean, talk about it. Wake up, people. I mean, seriously, wake up. Of course, BlackRock then owns all of the media as well. So in this scenario where they're destroying Ukraine and then rebuilding Ukraine, the media is complicit. It's supporting all of this. And all you need to do is turn on your corporate press to see it. I mean, here's Aaron Burnett. Basically, CNN anchors reminding you why it's good for BlackRock to make a lot of money from war because they're American companies. BlackRock famously bought millions more shares of Fox News back in January. And then, of course, a few weeks later, Tucker Carlson um, was fired after he ran this report on BlackRock. Why was he fired? Uh, watch this. So, of course, the war in Ukraine has totally destroyed Ukraine, killed over 100,000 Ukrainians, but it's still going. Why is that? Because the Biden administration has kept it going. They could have forced a peace. They haven't. They don't want to. Why is that? Why kill all these Ukrainians? Why destroy an entire country? Well, because people are getting rich. BlackRock plans to get rich. So BlackRock is now saying out loud that the war in Ukraine, the death of all these Ukrainians, is actually a great opportunity to transform Ukraine into a beacon of capitalism. <laughs> right. Right. So George in the chat says it sounds like Halliburton, like, oh, mm -hmm. where have we heard this scheme before? It worked. Right. Yeah. If you're not familiar with the vice president, 
Cheney's investment in Halliburton and how it relates to that war in Iraq? Yes. Pull the thread. Good good point, George. Yeah, follow the 9-11 thread if you dare. We've got plenty of videos on 9-11 here on the channel that I encourage all of you to watch. In fact, a big video that we just did on the hijackers this past week with Kevin Ryan. Um, watch that. You can start to pull the threads on who stands to make the most money here. And then, of course, Tucker was fired after that. And do you see how the world works, guys? Like, do you see how BlackRock, do you see how these few firms that run everything control everything? By the way, just a side note. Today, like if you go on Google and you just type in the Google search term BlackRock Ukraine, good luck finding all of the information that I just brought you here about how much money they stand to make, all of that. No, no, no. The first search result you'll get is from BlackRock's own website, BlackRock.com, where they analyze the war in Ukraine. So the very first first result, and then if you want to type even more results, uh, more more queries, BlackRock, Ukraine, money, scheme, anything like that. No, no, no. Good luck finding information. It'll be buried. Because, well, these large firms invest in all of the search results as well, and search giants, and ha in big tech. So good luck getting information. This is how the world works. Tucker speaks out about it, and then he gets fired. Because BlackRock buys up all these shares of Fox News Corporation. That's how it goes. That's what happens. So when you turn on your mainstream media, you're not going to get any kind of open, fair, honest discussion because they're all controlled. Even when you have these new anchors that fill in now for Tucker's spot and start, you know, like, oh, they're really sticking it to the man. Remember who pays their paycheck. Just remember that these corporate media hacks have their paychecks paid by these these uh, corrupt corporations that are running the world. And, you know, this is how it all works. Meanwhile, tens of thousands of Ukrainian men have died in NATO's war because they don't care about Ukraine and they don't care about the men that are dying in Ukraine. Instead, Ukraine is getting so desperate now, they're calling in women to fight. Now, we warned you about this a few weeks ago, but now it's happened. October 1st came. Now the new conscription law in place as of October 1st. Ukraine has passed a new law on military registration of all women conscripts. It's now enforced as of the 1st of October. So they are in, ready to go. And the obligation applies to all Ukrainian women between the ages of 18 and 60. So the girls who've been partying at those Kiev nightclubs, you've seen all the videos of these girls partying. And everyone's wondering, like, why are you guys? Even Zelensky got angry about it and said, hey, stop partying. Stop partying. Go fight. He yelled at these people at the nightclubs. Well, I mean, they look like stone cold killers. Right. Get you want those women. Yeah. You want the you want those women on the front lines, especially in winter, right? Right. When it gets cold, there's nothing women love more than the cold. Yeah. Right? Wear that outfit out on the front lines against the Russian forces. So that's exactly what's going to happen. And of course, they've rolled out new recruitment videos over the past few weeks to get the women ready for what's coming in Ukraine, NATO's war. They need the women. They need more meat in the meat grinder. Watch. Я просто жінка, грішна і свята, слабка і сильна, сіра і яскрава. Я просто жінка, просто жінка. Yeah, so sign up now. Sign up now. And, you know, the dirty little secret, of course, on all of this is what's actually happening underneath the table. You know, Ukraine is the most corrupt country in Europe. And so many of the men, when you're seeing those nightclub videos, you're like, why are those young men still there? Like, how are they still there? Well, it's a little thing called money. You know, when parents pay off the corrupt government of Ukraine, these men don't have to go to the war. 
they get out of it, right? They get either flown out of the country or they're able to hang out in nightclubs and they're part of the elite class there and they just pay some money, right? That's how it works. So will the women be able to also do that if they have money? I mean, I guess if their families have money, they'll get out of it as well. They can continue partying at the nightclubs. Even CBS News covered how the nightclubs in Kiev are booming right now. Nightlife in Kiev is booming and it looks good for all of these wealthy wealthy kids of aristocrats in Ukraine. And I guess we'll see if they end up on the front lines. But here's CBS News and the nightclubs. We welcome you back to CBS Mornings. As the war rages in Ukraine and cities are pounded by the Russian missiles, you may be surprised to learn that the nightlife in the country, well, it's thriving. The bars, the clubs and the restaurants, they are all packed. Charlie Daggett met up with customers and business owners to find out why the partying has not stopped. Yeah. It continues to go. And so why are those young men sitting there just drinking beer, drinking whatever and hanging out? Well, again, the money. So, you know, again, we'll see. But wait, CBS, didn't you tell us that the war was in Kiev? Yeah, right. They're being bombed everywhere. It's I guess like, we're not supposed to ask intelligent questions like, oh, wait a minute. Why is that possible when you're telling us that it's war torn? And we saw Angelina Jolie running through the streets from shelling. Like, oh, no. And Sean Penn, like he was ducking for cover. Right. Remember? He's like, and oh, my God, it's Chastain a war zone. Yeah. And, and that kind of thing. So. Okay. Well, the dirty little secret here for the women's side of this conscription is it's unlike the men. So the the new law that went in uh, on October 1st, women um, aren't allowed. Women can leave kind of freely. Uh, There's no restriction on them leaving the country. So I I imagine Europe, you're going to see a lot of Ukrainian women showing up. Like a lot of young Ukrainian women are going to be, you know, pouring around into different parts of Europe. Um, if those countries will allow them. So unlike the men, you are, you know, men are restricted. They cannot leave. If you're of military fighting age in Ukraine, you cannot leave. But women still, that law allows them to leave. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how many of them are actually uh, fleeing that country. All right. So, you know, as you hear it, Ukraine has run out of men to die in NATO's war, right? So it's now turning to uh, women and young boys to go and fight. So BlackRock, you know, we've talked about BlackRock is profiting billions on the destruction of Ukraine and then also pocketing even more on the rebuilding of it uh, in the wake of the destruction. So there's uh, definitely a uh, business model going on here as they covered in the video. Now, with that said, I wanted to share a really interesting video I saw shared by uh, Chad Riley, but it's a video actually of an even older plan for world government that you may have never heard of. Let's check out this next video. So I had never heard of this one, maybe you have. It's the oldest world government organization in history, at least of anything modern. Of course, there's been empires that want to take over the world for millennia, but this little-known organization is the oldest of the modern world government groups, more than half a century older than the United Nations and decades older than the League of Nations. There was the Interparliamentary Union, and it's actually still around. In an age when we can go to any spot on Earth within a matter of hours, modern transportation may be used to carry understanding and friendship to all nations. Melissa found this one while we were digging around researching some Bilderberg stuff, and it's here in this article by, uh, of all people, Edith Kermit Roosevelt, who's the granddaughter of President Teddy Roosevelt. 
And she wrote a lot of articles calling out the attack on national sovereignty and the quest for world government, <laughs> despite the involvement of her family and all kinds of things, including lots of CIA and uh, Voice of America stuff. She writes, while the United Nations may get the headlines, another world government group, the Interparliamentary Union, has been maneuvering quietly behind the scenes for decades to create a world parliament through its core of trained world government legislatures. And she writes that this group has announced the goal to unite all members of all parliaments across the entire world to promote, quote, peace and cooperation, particularly by means of universal organization. And this IPU group has aimed to get all governments of the world involved, whether they're democratic in nature or not. It means that modern communications may be used to establish a friendly world community. And this interparliamentary union is headquartered in Geneva, Switzerland. It's put together by a British guy named Sir William Randolph Kramer and by a French politician, Frederick Passy. And then it was assisted by the fortune of Andrew Carnegie, who helped to finance the group from the earliest years. So 25 years before the start of World War I and the creation of the League of Nations, in the wake of that, they were already moving in this direction pretty rapidly. This interparliamentary union group has not just been talk, they were the ones who were responsible for setting up the global arbitration, the permanent court of arbitration in The Hague, back in 1899, before the century even turned, and still 15 years before World War I started. Back in Paris in 1889, started with nine governments, but by the time this article was written in 1962, it had 64 governments, and today it has 178 member parliaments from the governments around the world, so pretty much almost everybody. And basically, like other world government groups, they include people from all the world governments, but they're appointed officials. There's no vote that people of the world get towards who's on this conference and what they do. It just consists of the people from these different nations. This means that all the people of the world are neighbors with new relationships, new benefits, and new responsibilities. And Edith Roosevelt points out that the laws adopted by the group itself state that every senator and representative in the Congress of the United States is ipso facto a member of the group. So all of Congress is part of this group and at least knows about it, whether they support it or not. But again, they're not elected to that body. They're just part of it. And there are other appointed officials from the U.S. and from all the other member countries. And it's interesting because Ms. Roosevelt gets into all the other groups who are involved with steering the agenda of this interparliamentary union and other groups that are interlocked with it. And among the people she names just from the American side of things who've either been part of the IPU or helped to shape its agenda are people from within the U.S. who've been very much pushing for world government. The first one she names is an attendee of Bilderberg, Senator Alexander Wiley, who apparently went to the 57 conference, and and Senators Paul Douglas and John Sparkman, who themselves sponsored resolutions in the Senate to further develop the United Nations into a world federation, whereas other respective senators, Senators Kefauver and the much better known Senator Fulbright, uh, for whom the scholarship is named and, and who was also a mentor of Bill Clinton, they pushed for a resolution to get the quote-unquote democracies of the entire North Atlantic Pact 
to name delegates to a federal convention for a federal union, not federal of the United States of America, but of a united group of the various countries in Europe and the United States, probably also Canada, and anyone else who falls under the North Atlantic Pact. Edith Roosevelt writes that, like other international organizations, the IPU conferences have become what is called a forum for constructive East-West dialogues on the problems dividing the world, and that these East-West dialogues serve to implement Vladimir Lenin's proposal for United States of the World uh, that I guess he proposed back in 1915 or around that time, and that the Interparliamentary Union has passed resolutions calling for, first of all, limits of state sovereignty. That dates back to the 1952 meeting of the IPU. It's called for the establishment of a permanent international police force under the aegis of the UN to ensure collective security. That dates back to the 1958 meetings. It's introduced a resolution calling for the adoption of a plan to remove obstacles to world trade. Of course, they've come a long way on that already, and that a lot of this would be organized under the World Bank and the related structures that were created towards the end of World War II, but of course, before the war ended. International trade makes it possible for the varied products of every land to be enjoyed by all. The contents of your pantry or the materials in your home may come from scores of distant nations. And this interparliamentary union that practically no one has ever heard of is also part of and interlocks with the United Nations. And of course, like the United Nations and other world government and global institutions, the IPU still today, still around, is promoting issues like gender equality, human rights, sustainable development, global governance, and peace and security programs for the youth, and a promotion of democracy around the world. Yeah. All talking points we've heard before, but the point is there's a far-reaching agenda. It stretches across many agencies, many of these agencies that people have hardly ever heard of. And according to Roosevelt, the Interparliamentary Union, which is coming up on 130 years of existence and 130 years of a coordinated, documented plan amongst the wealthy and elite of the world to put together a global structure, has been working with not only the United Nations, but with the Council of Europe, the OAS, the Organization of America. States. It's been working with the Atlantic Council, the American Peace Society, the European Parliamentary Assembly. It's been working with NATO's Parliament. It's been working with the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association, with the East-West Roundtable Conferences, which itself is very Royal Institute of International Affairs. It's been working with the separate United Nations Association, with the United World Federalist, with the World Association of Parliamentarians for World Government, also known as WAPWIG. And these groups are not only working towards world government, global governance, and globalization in general, but at least according to Roosevelt and many other conservatives of the time, they had a master plan that worked towards having appointed potentates over the world, key international financiers, and what she calls Marxist, working together for the world government, and that, just for example, this World Association for Parliamentarians for World Government, WAPWIG, passed uh, planks of this plan in 1952 with the help of this IPU organization. 
and that they were trying to bring to power a world parliament body that would have appointed members from respective governments appointed appointed members for the promotion of democracy around the world, of course, and that these appointed members would be drawn from the population statistics of the various countries. So Asia, for instance, would have a lot more people than the U.S. or other, you know, moderately populated parts of the world. And that they aim to set up a world director, eight zone directors, and 51 regional directors, very close to the other plans for world government that have come out. And that these potentates, these appointed parliamentary members who would oversee the regions and the zones of the world, would not reign over the lands that they were from, but that these appointed potentates would rule over the opposite land. And so that specifically, for example, the southern and southwest United States would be occupied by Soviet Russian troops. I don't know how many times we've heard that conspiracy. Lots of people warning that it's going to happen, warning that it could happen, watching for them, pointing out training exercises with Russian troops, cooperating with the U.S. on American soil. This plan goes back for a long way, and it's been documented at least in the conversations of the press, if not by the documents themselves from these world body organizations. It's not just the Interparliamentary Union, of course. The United Nations has eclipsed it. Before that, they were putting most of their eggs in the basket of the League of Nations. But I guess the point is, there's at least a dozen or so of these world government organizations, world parliamentary, various regional organizations that have all been working towards this and are sharing a common goal <laughs> to circumvent the sovereignty of nations. And of course, the people of this country have been very proud of our democratic constitutional republic and all the rights that it recognizes and pretends to protect, while at the same time, through the back door and through the end run around sovereignty, so many of the pieces are being handed off to international groups, which even if they were well-meaning, or even if they are well-meaning, are not duly elected, they're not accountable to people. They're certainly not democratic. And really, they're not even known in general. There are people ruling over us and making decisions, at least in policy, that are affecting the United States and pretty much all the countries of the world. And there's very little, if any, public dialogue about it and very little, if any, accountability that the citizens of the world can exercise over a body that pretends to represent everyone, everyone of the entire world. It is within the power of all of us to bring about a better way of life for people of all races and nationalities. Our goal must be mutual trust, mutual understanding, mutual respect, so that our most distant friends will know how to live with us and we with them in one family of nations on this shrinking world. Alrighty, I hope you guys thought that was interesting. I love sharing some of these uh, clips that pop up on my feed. So, you know, that's kind of what I am. You know, I'm an amalgamation of all the people that influence me and share their perspectives and news and conspiratorial topics. And, uh, and hopefully you guys find value in these things as well. All right. So here's a, another story we have as Congress and NASA investigate and push for further transparency in the whole UFO topic. 2,000 people in Maryland have reported seeing something unexplained in the sky over the past two decades. Commonly known as UFOs, the unknown objects have a new name and new attention from the government. Tonight, WJC investigator Mike Helgren takes you inside the mysteries in the sky. This is a UFO, unidentified flying object. 
America has long been fascinated by whether there's life outside of Earth. Reports of flying saucers are nothing new. And whether that life is trying to somehow contact us. If you saw a UFO flying over Baltimore, what would you do? Would you be afraid? Do you believe that our government is in possession of UAPs? Absolutely. This year, Congress got serious about what used to be called UFOs, now called UAPs or Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, objects seen in the skies that defy an easy explanation. Almost invariably, the response is, well, the public couldn't handle the news. That's, that's totally bonkers. The government is investigating at least 650 potential sightings since 2004. Well, it's heartening to me that so many people are coming forward now. We're getting significantly more reports than was the case just six months or a year ago. Peter Davenport has tracked hundreds of reports from Maryland on his website. He directs the National UFO Reporting Center. In 1923 reports from the state of Maryland, there are UFO reports coming from probably most cities in the country. Many of the thousands of reports worldwide are centered on the U.S. East and West Coasts, the Middle East and the South China Sea. Experts disagree about whether the UAPs are extraterrestrial, but agree there should be no stigma about reporting them. Right now we need a system where pilots can report without fear of losing their jobs. Which brings us to one of the latest unexplained sightings. It went across the sky this way and only lasted for maybe 30 to 45 seconds. Greg Fasello of Port Deposit recently went outside to plug in his car and saw something very strange flying low over the skies of Cecil County. Oh my lord! If it was a shooting star or a comet of some natural occurrence, I wouldn't even bother to send it to you. But this thing looked uh, made by some intelligent life form. Is the search for life elsewhere? A few weeks ago, NASA called for better data and more study of these objects. Do I believe there's life in a universe that is so vast that it's hard for me to comprehend how big it is? My personal answer is yes. Some are concerned about the risks UAPs pose to military and commercial aircraft and whether the mysterious sightings are part of surveillance by China or Russia. These pilots, they see it as urgent for a national security reason to have domain awareness. They could crash into these objects. It looked like several vehicles and then it broke apart, then it streamed out and it just faded in the sky. Pacello may never know what flew over him in Port Deposit. It could be extraterrestrial life. Um, I don't know. It, it, again, it didn't look it didn't look natural. Like so many others, he questions what's really out there. Whatever it was traveled across the sky. Oh my lord! It was nothing like I've ever seen before. The mysteries in the sky. Mike Helgren, WJZ. A mystery indeed. We could always imagine. Oh. <laughs> All righty, very interesting. And uh, we've been keeping up with the alien disclosure topic for some time now. And it is always interesting to see as it becomes more and more mainstream. And to have so many people in Maryland report UFO sightings, it's just going to motivate more types of disclosure uh, from various government entities. And uh, what's this all leading to? I don't know, but it's definitely coming to a head, as it were. So in other news, here's a really interesting video that demonstrates how your phone could be taking pictures of you every five seconds with infrared and you don't even know it. And it's associated with Apple's Face ID. But uh, if 
the phone is operating in such a way on a, a spectrum that we can't visually see, it really does draw into question what all is our phone actually doing that we don't truly understand or know about? And uh, is this all tied to uh, keeping track of us, monitoring us, listening to us, and taking pictures of us that we didn't want being taken? Ever stop to wonder if our phones are actually spying on us? Well, wonder no more. A couple of months ago, Bree Thomason found out through an infrared camera accidentally that our iPhones are taking invisible pictures of us every five seconds. Check this out. Wild and crazy Friday night findings. We just discovered, which we already knew, that your phone, an iPhone specifically, takes an infrared picture of you with your face ID every five-ish seconds. And we looked at it through an infrared camera and it's pretty wild. Let's show you. Okay, have your home screen. It's on the home screen. Not touching anything. No buttons. Okay. Infrared lens on the camera. Boom, there was one. <gasps> Two. <laughs> That's so wild. Okay, cover the camera. Okay. Oh, there was another one. Okay. Nothing. Oh, it's trying. It's taking pictures of your finger. Okay, move your finger. Ready? Boom. <laughs> this is something that we can't see with the naked eye. However, All right. So I thought that was a very, very interesting a uh, little clip there, right? And in relation to this same story, we have uh, uh, Tucker Carlson talking about how the NSA uh, knew exactly what he was doing, despite him using what has been widely believed to be a secure app, uh, the Signal app. And so let's check out this clip of Tucker Carlson talking about being spied on by our government. NSA broke into my Signal account, which I didn't know they could do. How do, how do you know the NSA broke into your Signal? Because they admitted it. I got a call from somebody in Washington. This person said, you know, are you going to come to Washington anytime soon? Yeah, actually, I'm going to be up in a week. Meet me Sunday morning. So I go, and this person's like, are you planning a trip to go see Putin? And I was like, how would you know that? I haven't told anybody. I mean, anybody. Not my brother, not my wife, nobody. How would you know that? Because NSA pulled your text with this other person you were texting. How did you know that? As I was explaining, the Patriot Act ushered in the largest surveillance on humans in the history of mankind. That's basically an illegal wiretap, okay? So I hope you guys are watching, paying attention, and seeing what we're up against. <laughs> Stay vigilant out there. Now, of course, uh, with this topic, we have the whole uh, Edward Snowden expose of the uh Patriot Act, right? And the uh, license that our government has given itself to widely spy on its citizens, which is uh, really a, a grand transgression that seems to be slipping under the radar and nobody seems to be doing anything about it. Uh, at least they claim that there's some statute of limitations, but it really doesn't seem like it. If you're on their radar and they want to monitor you, they have the ability and will to do it. And those people who risk billions when somebody has some smart ideas uh, often seem to take people out. And uh, I know Jeremiah has been sharing some videos about this topic with me, but uh, here was a breakdown of uh, what really happened to the missing Malaysian Airlines Flight 370. And, uh, and it shows that when an individual is smart, they have some patents that could challenge billions of dollars worth of industry or, or still that market share if it came into market, uh, the people with all the money oftentimes take people out. 
And so it's an interesting conspiracy I wanted to share with you guys. So let's check out this next video, which is what really happened to missing Malaysian Flight 37. There's one of the most evil, vicious Navy bases in the history of the planet. They do stuff that would make look like Santa Claus. Diego Garcia. So, wait, 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 wait. Diego Garcia. That's where that first Malaysian plane is. That's where it landed. It had four scientists on it, huh? Twenty scientists, but four had filed for patent. It was Malaysia, but they worked out of Austin, Texas, for Texas Instrument. And the ones behind that plane was Texas Instrument, the government, and Boeing, who made the plane. And everybody is stupid enough to believe that a plane almost a block long can just disappear. With the electronics we have, all the technology we have, the next generation of cars will come out, there'll be no drive. So we got four of those top scientists that had filed for patents worth $400 billion. Mm. All right, as you heard it, you know, I'm really looking forward to, I know Jeremiah will likely do a, uh, a history segment on the topic of these missing planes. Uh, maybe it could just be a broad stroke, like what's happening in Bermuda, the Bermuda Triangle, or or what happened to all these missing airplanes over the years. Uh, is it UFOs? Is it the government taking people out? Who knows? But the whole story of the missing airlines flight uh, really reminds me of uh, some of the conspiracies surrounding the Titanic and how uh, people who were present on the Titanic were wealthy individuals willing to challenge the establishment of the Federal Reserve. And uh, <laughs> guess what happened at the, with the Titanic, you know? Perhaps it uh, was intended to go missing, you know what I mean? Uh, but it does remind me of that same conspiratorial topic of uh, whenever there's somebody who can challenge somebody else in positions of money and power, sometimes bad things happen. <laughs> All right, and so for our final story of the day, uh, this was just a very quick, interesting breakdown of the science behind climate change. And when you really think about it, it blows out of the water all of these green agendas uh, that are being pushed in the world today. Uh, and it's just, it's it's amazing that control is being handed to these government entities and liberties are being forsaken because they're convincing us that our world is dying due to our carbon emissions. And when you do the math, it doesn't all check out. So check out this next clip. I did as the government asked, and I looked at the science when it came to climate change. And this is what I found. According to government figures, Australia is producing 499 million metric tonnes of carbon dioxide per year. But what I also found is that one mature tree will absorb 48 pounds or 21.77 kilograms of carbon dioxide per year. And Australia currently has 24 billion standard sized trees absorbing 453 million metric tons of carbon dioxide per year. And that's just trees. Doesn't include any other plant life, and particularly doesn't include mangroves. And mangroves will absorb 50 times more carbon dioxide per year than a standard sized tree. So why is the government hell bent on cutting down trees in order to install solar farms when it seems quite obvious from the science that nature has already provided the solution to the problem. I've never heard this explained. All right, that's all the news for this week, Jeremiah. I hope you guys enjoyed there at home, and uh, we'll be back in my regular studio next week.
Thank you as always, Jake, for another great current news. And let's let's give him a round of applause. He deserves it. Good job, Jake. Good job. Man, I wish I could get that kind of applause. Thank you, Jake. Now for a quick look at my mom's book, The Protocol That Kills. Kingsgate Media and Skiba News Nation present an exhaustive expose on government. The new amazing book, The Emotional and Disturbing True Story. Sheila Skiba. Following Rob Skiba's death, his widow, Sheila, and co-authors spent countless hours analyzing 40 days of recorded conversations, the transcripts of which appear in the book. This is an extremely well-written first-hand account of the horrors Sheila Skiba endured for the 40 days her husband was held captive in the hospital. It was hard to read and relive since I vividly remember when this was happening to this precious man. But I believe every person needs to know what was going on during the insanity of the pandemic. Sheila Skiba, the protocol that kills a true crime story. This book shares a wealth of critical insights that will greatly aid in preventing future needless losses of life. Available on Amazon. Order now. Find more at theprotocolthatkills.com. Well, it's about that time for an all new Opus Corner. Name is Vague, Opa. The following presentation may contain too many cat jokes. Viewer discretion is advised. This presentation is rated CJ, Cat Jokes, Parental Guidance Suggested. Time for the real Opa's Corner. So let's get started. A man goes inside a pet shop looking for a pet. He sees a monkey with a price tag of $5,000. This makes him curious, as most monkeys are 500 at most. He then goes to the merchant and asks, Hey, mister, the monkey, why does he cost so much? Oh, well, that's our computer monkey. He knows Windows 7, Windows 10. He also knows Word, C++, .NET, App Programming, and last but not least, he knows how to fix computers. Wow, that's a good monkey, well worth the money. He continues looking around and finds another monkey with a price of $10,000. And again, he asks the merchant, What does this monkey know? Oh, that's our highly specialized monkey. He knows five languages and can translate fluently between them. That's amazing. Well worth the money. Yeah, but if you buy one, you have to buy all three. They work together. The man follows the merchant's pointing finger to yet a third monkey with a price tag of $20,000. Gosh, what does this monkey do to justify that ridiculous amount of money? 
Well, to be honest, I've never seen him do anything. But the other two call him Project Manager. <laughs> an astronaut is the first to step onto an alien planet. The aliens are so excited that they change all their signs to English and even rename some of their places and landmarks after human places, landmarks, and things. The astronaut decides the first place he wants to go is a bar. He sees a nearby alien and asks, Where's the bar? The alien gurgles back and his suit translates in real time. Just around the corner. The astronaut heads around the corner and sees it. It's named the keyboard. And he asks the alien at the door. Why is it called a keyboard? The alien replies. The boss loves all things human and changed his name to reflect that. Ask him. He's the bartender. So the astronaut enters and goes to the bartender. Excuse me, do you own this bar? I do. Why is it called the keyboard? Well, since I knew you humans were coming, I changed the name. The reason it's called the keyboard is because it's a space bar. <laughs> I'm trying to make friends outside of Facebook while applying the same principles. Therefore, every day I walk down the street and tell passersby what I have eaten, how I feel at the moment, what I have done the night before, what I will do later, and with whom. I give them pictures of my family, my dog, and of me gardening, taking things apart in the garage, watering the lawn, standing in front of landmarks, driving around town, having lunch, and doing what anybody and everybody does every day. I also listen to their conversations, give them the thumbs up, and tell them I like them. And it works just like Facebook. I already have four people following me, two police officers, a private investigator, and a psychiatrist. <laughs> Facebook needs that. A blonde was traveling abroad and wanted to see the Eiffel Tower. She tried to ask people and found a policeman who agreed to help her. She asked him, Sorry, how do I get from here to the Eiffel Tower? The policeman replied, Wait for bus 37 and get on it. It'll take you there in 10 minutes. The blonde thanked the policeman, and he left. Hours later, he happened to go by the same place, just to see the blonde is still there. Why are you still here? I left you four hours ago. And you haven't boarded the bus? Oh, don't worry, Mr. Policeman, sir. Just a moment ago, the 30th bus passed, and there are only seven left to go. <laughs> a man was pulled over by a police officer. As the officer approached the vehicle, he noticed a large number of knives in the back seat. Looking at the driver, he asks, 
Sir, do you have a good reason for needing all those large knives? Smiling, the driver said, Why, yes, I juggle them. Realizing the officer was giving him a skeptical look, the driver said, Sir, with your permission, I'd be more than happy to give you a demonstration. Cautiously, the officer stepped back. All right, but you better be telling me the truth. A few seconds later, the man was on the side of the road, tossing the knives high into the air with ease as the police officer watched mesmerized. Two old men happened to drive by and both gazed in astonishment. The one looked at the other and said, I sure am glad I gave up drinking. These sobriety tests are getting ridiculous. <laughs> a blonde was speeding in a 35 mile per hour zone when a local police officer pulled her over and walked up to the car. The officer also happened to be a blonde and she asked for the blonde's driver's license. The driver searched frantically in her purse for a while and finally said to the blonde policewoman, What does a driver's license look like? Irritated, the blonde cop said, You dummy, it's got your photo on it. The blonde frantically searched her purse again and found a small rectangular mirror down at the bottom. She held it up to her face and said, Ah, oh, this must be my driver's license, and handed it to the blonde policewoman. The blonde cop looked in the mirror, handed it back to the driver and said, You're free to go. Also, if I had known you were a police officer too, we could have avoided all this. <laughs> An archaeology team was having trouble determining the age of human remains that they found deep in a cave. So they called in the best forensic teams from the CIA, MI6, and KGB. The MI6 team goes in first with all of their equipment and comes out about four hours later. As far as we could determine, the remains are about 600,000 years old. Not to be outdone by the MI6, the CIA goes in and comes out about eight hours later. The remains are approximately 615,550 years old. This is what we have been able to determine with our superior technology. Before the CIA is even done giving their report, the two-man KGB team is already making their way towards the cave with nothing but a gym bag. They enter the cave and make their way toward the remains. Soon after, sounds of shouting, swearing, and banging started to come out of the cave, and it doesn't let up for two whole days. When the KGB team finally leaves the cage, they're dirty and their clothes are ripped and their tools are damaged. 
So the remains are 623,118 years, three months, two weeks, and six days old. The amazed and dumbfounded archaeologists and other forensic teams ask how they could possibly determine the age of the remains to such an exact date. The KGB agents looked knowingly at each other, and one of them said, He confessed! <laughs> and now for the funnies! I agree that getting the old gang together for a charity fundraiser is a great idea. But Elvis is working overtime at Walmart, and the Area 51 boys are always out of town. <laughs> Tragically, no one could hear the truck backing up. Beep, 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 beep. Meep, 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 meep. Beep, 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 beep. Not bad, fellas. Uh, let's do one more take. With more emphasis on tone, harmony, melody, rhythm, composition, lyrics, musicianship, tempo, and originality. <laughs> don't exist anymore. Scarface, the true story. Widow Pookie is so cutie and so happy wappy, aren't you? Yes, you are. <laughs> Bummer! You landed in the grass trap. <laughs> Mike's mailing services. Eddie, you need to go in the back room and do an inventory on boxes. I've been waiting for this day. <laughs> Upon Bernie's arrival, the scariest costume party competition was about to get a whole lot stiffer. <laughs> you haven't come to the kitchen to open me in over 15 minutes. I've been worried sick about you. <laughs> Bank. You shouldn't carry all this cash. Why don't you open an account? <laughs> and what would you say is the source of your stress? <laughs> uh oh, I have to sneeze. <gasps> Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
Oops. Hey, guys. We got so busy watching their cat videos, we forgot to invade their planet. <laughs> Honey, the coffee maker has no filter. Man, you put on some pounds. Is that a nose hair? Who the heck picked out that sweater? <laughs> And another thing, I want you to be more assertive. I'm tired of everyone calling you Alexander the Pretty Good. <laughs> to New York. Why so many Italian immigrants were called Tony? <laughs> That's messed up. <laughs> Non-slip pads. Sorry, I'm late. Hello? <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I think I'm gonna, like, uh, pursue a career in, like, uh, communications. Funky tea, and I got mad skills. I can spit out rhymes like I spit out pills. Got a cold litter box in my own private jet. I always make it rain, but I hate getting wet. <laughs> Eventually, Billy came to dread his father's lecture over all other forms of punishment. <laughs> We've still got a couple of years to go before we're ready for the moon. <laughs> People who don't know which end is up. <laughs> Even I'm sick of accepting cookies. <laughs> I've seen fire and I've seen rain. I've seen better days where my food just didn't end. I see my half-full bowl, and it's been like that since ten. And I always thought that you'd feed me again. <laughs> that you'd feed me, that you'd feed me again. <laughs> Yo, boss! There's an unmarked van out... Oh, wait. No, never mind, Jimmy. The tire chaser took care of it. It's marked now.
We'll be shirts, and you guys be skins. That's offensive. We'll be the commanders instead. <laughs> Use nice, even strokes. And always remember to make your trees look like happy trees. Bob Ross. Remember, the rug you're sitting on is for learning, and the rug in the corner is for barfing. <laughs> I wish. Cinnamon rolls. Thesaurus. Odd. What kind of pastry comes with a thesaurus? <laughs> that can't be right. Thursday's temp, 350 degrees? <laughs> That's dark. <laughs> So, that's how it works. <laughs> and that's Opa's Corner for another week. My hut, der hat drei Ecken. Drei Ecken hat mein Hut. Und hat er nicht drei Ecken, dann ist es nicht mein Hut. Opa's Corner is now available on my own YouTube channel. Like, share, and subscribe. Opa, thank you for another great Opa's Corner as always. So, now a word from our good friend and sponsor, JJ. Are you tired of living in constant pain? Do you feel like you've tried every CBD product on the market with no relief? Look no further than JJ's Natural CBD Rub. When I was diagnosed with degenerative disc disease, this was the only product that completely took my pain away. Working with JJ has been a dream come true, and his products have completely changed my life. Don't just take my word for it. Visit JJ's website, jjcbdrub.com, and read hundreds of testimonials from people whose lives have been changed by all of JJ's amazing products. And now, as a Skiba News Nation exclusive, you can get $50 off a three-pack special of JJ's Natural CBD Rub by texting CBD to 920-382-7720. Don't suffer in silence any longer. Take control of your pain today with JJ's Natural CBD Rub. Again, text CBD to 920-382-7720 for an exclusive discount and start feeling the relief you deserve. The links are in the description below. Thank you, JJ. It's time for some history. So today for history, we're going to be doing a deep dive into one of the most calculated and most crazy assassinations in history, and it changed North Korea as a country forever. So before we get into it, I'm going to play you this first clip, which is a preview of what we're going to be talking about. So let's play that clip. 
In early 2017, two women were approached by a Japanese YouTube channel to participate in a prank show. What kind of prank? Well, for $100, all they would have to do is run up to a stranger, smear their face with baby oil or moisturizer, apologize, and then run away. The two women happily accepted. So for weeks, Dong Ti Hung from Vietnam and Siti Aisha from Indonesia would carry out that same prank on camera. Each time, the mysterious man would tell them exactly what to wear, who to prank, and even where to smear the oil. It was easy money, $100, $100, $100, so the woman kept at it. By the time February 2017 came around, Siti and Don were brought to the Kuala Lumpur airport in Malaysia. This time, their target was one of the travelers at the airports. As usual, their producers pointed out the targets, poured baby oil in their hands, and then sent them off. And as always, Siti and Don ran up to the man they were pranking, smeared his face with oil, apologized, and then ran off. Except this time was very different. This time, their target would drop dead from the prank less than 20 minutes later. Who was their targets? Why none other than Kim Jong-nam, the older half-brother of North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un. Yes, that is right. These two women had just unknowingly assassinated a member of the Kim dynasty. But this was no mistake. No, this was a carefully planned out perfectly executed assassination. And these women were just the useful idiots. This assassination was pulled off so well that to this day, no one has been punished for it. Stay dangerous and this is the assassination of Kim Jong-nam. So the brother of Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-nam, was assassinated. We're gonna be talking about in this next clip why a brother would want another brother taken out. So let's play that next clip. Kim Jong-nam was born in May 1971 in Pyongyang, North Korea. As the first-born son of the supreme leader, he was raised for leadership right from the start. He grew up in a mansion with more than 100 servants and 500 guards. He often visited his father's office. And even when his dad found a new mistress and had two more sons, everyone knew that Kim Jong-nam was destined to take the throne. But with a new woman in the picture, Kim Jong-nam's dad didn't want to draw too much attention to his affair. So he quietly sent his first-born son, Kim Jong-nam, to an elite private school in Switzerland. The plan was to have him educated there, and then he would return to take over once his father died. And for a while, it seemed like everything was going according to plan. On his 24th birthday, Kim Jong-nam was made a general in North Korea's secret police and he was given a spot in his dad's political party. But here's the thing. In North Korea, the supreme leader isn't just a president or dictator, he is seen as a god. And as a god, the supreme leader is expected to be able to do a lot of things regular humans can't. Stuff like never having to use a toilet, because his body is just so well calibrated. Or you know, learning how to drive at the age of three. So while Kim Jong-nam was learning to be a ruthless dictator, North Korean state media started to spread stories about all his amazing achievements and godlike abilities. They were preparing the populace to accept their new ruler. The only problem was Kim Jong-nam didn't seem all that interested in nuking his enemies and starving millions of people. He had gotten a taste of the outside world, and after spending years in Europe, life in North Korea became depressing. Kim Jong-nam missed the freedom and luxury he had become used to in the West, and pretty soon his father began to notice his discontents. The supreme leader began to realize that his firstborn son did not have what it took to take over the kingdom. And soon the supreme leader was proven right. In 2001, Kim Jong-nam was arrested for trying to sneak into Japan using a fake passport. According to him, all he wanted to do was visit Disneyland. <laughs> but for North Korea and his father, it was the ultimate embarrassment. Here was the government doing everything in its power to prove that the West was evil, and then the Supreme Leader's son gets caught trying to go into Disneyland? What sort of picture did that paint for the West? Kim Jong-nam had brought so much shame onto his entire family and country that he was exiled from North Korea. Yes, the firstborn son was banned from ever setting foot in North Korea again. Which, let's be honest, that is the best punishment you could ask for. Kim Jong-nam was forced to live in exile in Macau, the Las Vegas of China. And while his father was still alive, he still received a yearly allowance that let him live in relative comforts. But with plenty of enemies in the North Korean government and no idea who would be taking his father's throne, Kim Jong-nam needed to align himself with a few powerful friends. 
And who better to go to for help than North Korea's number one enemy, America? So pretty crazy so far, right? I mean, over Disneyland. Opa, what are your thoughts about about him being assassinated, uh, father-son assassination on a, on a brother who was peaceful, it seemed? I think that it fits very, uh, very well with North Korea and all of the stuff that they do. Well, it gets even crazier. So for this next clip, I'm going to show you guys the plot to kill Kim Jong-nam and how well calculated it was, like how in-depth it really goes. So let's check out this next clip. Malaysia was the perfect location for a North Korean political assassination. You see, Malaysia is one of the few countries in the world where North Koreans can travel without a visa, which meant that this trip would be the government's best shot at taking down Kim Jong-nam. So while Siti and Dong practiced their pranks around Malaysia and Vietnam, four North Korean men arrived in Malaysia as early as January 31st. Each of the men landed on a different day, with the last arriving on February 7th, just one day after Kim Jong-nam. The North Koreans had been on his tail from the moment he left Macau. They had spies on his plane, spies waiting for him at the airport when he arrived, and spies watching the hotel where he stayed 24-7. They watched as Kim Jong-nam met with a man that they suspected to be a CIA agent. And they watched as he left the meeting with $120,000 in cash in a bag. They watched as Kim Jong-nam planned his return to Macau. They even knew the exact date and time he would be leaving Malaysia, February 13th. So they let Siti and Dong know about their next prank, and this time the two girls would be working together at Kuala Lumpur International Airports. The airport was the perfect location for an assassination, because each of the North Koreans involved would be able to pass through immigration and leave the country before anyone even understood what had happened. And so on the morning of February 13th, Kim Jong-nam took a car to the airports, and little did he know that in less than an hour, he would be dead. So how could somebody do that to their own brother slash son? I mean... Kim Jong-un will go to any lengths to silence his brother and his dad would do anything to silence his son. What is this man capable of doing to the average Joe, you know? Now, now we're going to be talking about how the plot to kill went into action. So let's check out this next clip. February 13th, 2017. Entering Kuala Lumpur Airport in the gray suit, this CCTV appears to show Kim Jong-nam. He continues into the busy departures hall. Unaware that two female assassins are also at the airport. By the time Kim Jong-nam arrived at Kuala Lumpur International Airport, Siti Dong and their Japanese producers were already there waiting for him. Sitting at opposite sides of the departure hall, they carefully went over their plans. Both Siti and Dong would be pranking the same person in the space of a few seconds. First, Siti would approach him, smear the oil across his face, apologize, and then leave quickly. And then Dong would do the same thing straight after. Both girls were told that after they were done, they would go to the bathroom, wash their hands, and catch a taxi back to the city. If they followed the instructions well, their producers promised them a big bonus. Just before 9am, Kim Jong-nam arrives at the airport and makes his way into the departures hall. Siti's producer points him out to her, he's wearing jeans and a gray jacket, and carrying a dark backpack. With her target in sight, Siti's producer tells her to stick out her hand and look away. She does what she's told, and he pours a strange smelling oil into her hand. Across the hall, the same thing happens to Thang. As Siti gets up to play her prank, her producer reminds her to apologize and leave quickly after she's done because her target looks rich. She nods and makes her way towards Kim Jong-nam, who is standing in line at the check-in counter with no idea what's about to happen. There are lookout men, a chemist to handle the nerve agent, a getaway driver, and a team leader, codenamed Grandpa. Within seconds, Siti ran up to Kim Jong-nam, rubbed the oil onto his face, apologized, and then disappeared. 
Moments later, Throng approaches and does the exact same thing before rushing away. For Kim Jong-nam, panic set in. He knew his brother was out to get him, and now it seemed like his time had finally come. Terrified, he rushes to airport staff trying to explain what happened. But no one knows or cares who he is, and so the best thing they can do is walk him over to the airport clinic. By the time he reaches the clinic, he is in extreme pain. His muscles are cramping, and he's struggling to breathe. A North Korean agent with a black suitcase walks past to make sure that the poison is taking effect before making his way to immigration. The clinic doctors call for an ambulance and try to keep him alive, but it is too late. Kim Jong-nam's last words were, Very painful, very painful. I was sprayed liquid. He died less than 20 minutes after the attack. By the time the Malaysian authorities realized what had happened, all the North Korean agents at the airport were long gone. They had flown back to Pyongyang using routes they knew wouldn't get them detained, leaving Siti and Dong to take all the blame for what had just happened. Now for this last clip about the Kim Jong-nam story, I call How to Get Away with Murder. So let's play that final clip. All it took for the Malaysian police to figure out what had happened was a few minutes of CCTV footage. In their minds, it was clear that the two women in the video were the ones responsible for murdering Kim Jong-nam. But how had they done it? If the oil they had smeared on his face was poisonous, wouldn't they have died too? An examination of Kim Jong-nam's body finally uncovered the truth. A swab of his face revealed that he had been poisoned with a special version of a powerful nerve agent called VX. Only when the two oils of City and Dong's hands combined did it form the deadly poison which is why both girls managed to survive. To Malaysian police, it looked like an open and shut case. The girls had been recruited by North Korea to poison Kim Jong-nam, and within days of the attack, both Siti and Dong had been arrested to stand trial for murder. If they were found guilty, they would be sentenced to death by hanging. Even as Siti sat in jail, she still believed that it was all part of the prank. Neither she or Dong had any idea what they had done. But over the next few months in courts, their lawyers would slowly unravel one of the most daring assassination plots in history. And the level of planning that went into the attack was almost unbelievable. First, the two men that had approached City and Dong were not Japanese. In reality, they were both North Korean agents tasked to get the girls to trust them and do as they say. And nothing about the stories they had told City and Dong had been real. Not even the practice pranks they had done had been real victims. Instead, each person targeted had either been North Korean or were recruited by North Koreans to participate in the show. That way, there would never be any real victims who would call the police or bring attention to the prank. It was obvious that Siti and Dong had never known what the North Koreans were really planning, which meant the real killers were still out there. Of the entire North Korean team sent to kill Kim Jong-nam, only three of them stayed behind in Malaysia, and all three were hiding at the North Korean embassy, including the chemist responsible for creating the modified version of the VX poison. Malaysian police managed to get a video of the chemist trying to get his story straight with the embassy officials. <laughs> And for the first time in the investigation, it looked like the police had the right man. Here was real evidence that it was the North Koreans who were responsible for it. But it didn't matter. The North Korean government had planned for all contingencies. If Malaysia didn't want to let the three North Koreans leave the country, North Korea would just have to block all of Malaysia's embassy staff that were in North Korea from leaving too. They were holding the Malaysians hostage in exchange for the release of their agents. And it worked. Less than two months after the attack, the Malaysian government caved and allowed all three men to return home. Kim Jong-un and the North Korean government had gotten away with murder on foreign soil. But the same couldn't be said for Siti and Dong. They spent the next two years fighting their charges, and even though they were eventually cleared and allowed to go free, Malaysia had let the real killers of Kim Jong-nam get away, leaving a brutal assassination to go unpunished. So that's all I got for the Kim Jong-nam story, and I mean, these girls were set up. They were patsies, just like our boy Lee Harvey Oswald. I mean, it's just such a crazy story. What are your thoughts, Opa? Yeah, I, they they planned it really, really well, and uh, this kind of goes along with uh, some of the other assassinations that had, had it happened around uh, the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so 
you guys at home let me know what you think in the comment section and uh, I do have one more clip for you guys and it's my part two of my favorite Norm Macdonald jokes so if there are any inappropriate ones Jake cut them out when you're editing them so let's play that clip Still booking the store. You're booking the comedy store? Yeah. Where you can buy comedy. It's not that kind of store. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't do a lot of, I don't like to sell my comedy. It, again, it's not an actual store. That's just the name. It's a, it's a, just a comedy club. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, how about this? College freshman Scott Damaro, Larry, set a new world record by using his head to bust 142 eggs, and he now officially holds a place in the Guinness Book of Retards. <laughs> Organist Ray Manzarek died this week at the age of 74. The curse of the doors. <laughs> because of droughts all over Europe, scientists are predicting a global shortage of olive oil. Soon the world will know how Popeye felt after the death of his wife. I've interviewed olive him. Oil. Uh, the guy who did the voice of Charlie Brown, he was arrested for stalking his girlfriend this week. He also said the next time Lucy grabs away the football, he's going to cut that <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> If tampons are called sanitary napkins, how unsanitary must regular napkins be? <laughs> Can you see like George Carlin doing that or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look at this one. Uh, researchers in... Uh, Bermuda believe they may have uh, finally solved part of the mystery surrounding Amelia Earhart's disappearance. She was a bad pilot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's not my fault. Bermuda. She didn't go down anywhere near Bermuda. What do you call a gay boxer? Huh? What do you call a gay boxer? No McDonald. No. <laughs> <laughs> the Blue Man Group has been forced by the federal government to hire an orange man and a purple woman. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was raised in a broken home. My father was a drunk carpenter. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Where do you get these jokes? Ah, some guy. <laughs> this is an these actual joke. Norm jokes. This is an actual joke. It's kind of a weird feeling watching the Flintstones lately. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, watching Flintstones. Sure. Yeah, now, yeah. How so? With their Stone Age drive-in movies and yeah. their caveman bowling, it just seems so dated. It does. <laughs> <laughs> I used to think revenge was a dish best served cold, but then I realized it meant getting back at somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Some gold-plated chains would make a nice retirement gift for a very, very good slave. <laughs> well, this Are was, you serious? Well, this was written. Are you serious? This was written years Did ago. Did you just write that? I didn't write. Did you just say that? <laughs> no, I read it. Yes. Do you know the Harlem, the Harlem Shake? Yeah, I've seen it on okay. every single You've commercial. seen it. Then you'll appreciate this joke. I remember back when the Harlem Shake was just a back, black fella holding me upside down off a fire escape trying to collect his money. 
Jenny McCarthy recently uh, got engaged to former new kid on the block, Donnie Wahlberg. They plan to marry on Retard Island. <laughs> <laughs> Percy is your dad? Yeah. I didn't remember that. I'd never heard anyone else's wow. name Percy. Any remember person when you came and visited life. the set of, uh, Andy, of uh, Man on the Moon? Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I was also in the film. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I like to put it. <laughs> I know I'm not the most attractive. I know I'm not man the most attractive man in the world. As a matter I mean, of fact, when, when women look at me, I can tell they're overdressing me with their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> His girlfriend, he had a what do you call that list? Oh, the uh, if yeah, you can, you can a freebie or whatever. A freebie. Yeah. Uh, so he picked Angelina Jolie. And Jennifer Aniston, his girlfriend, picked the milkman. I've noticed that Hotel Rwanda has a great score on Rotten Tomatoes, but their Yelp reviews are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, growing up, I had a dog with an eating disorder. He wouldn't eat any of my homework. <laughs> The World Cup has arrived, so if you're wondering why your local bar smells, it's because all of the dirty foreigners. How many comedians does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many? Two. Want to do it and the other guy to go, how long has he been up there? <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Mantle knew two things, drinking and playing drunk baseball. <laughs> a Miami, Florida pimp is in custody after forcing a 13-year-old prostitute to have his name tattooed on her eyelids when she threatened to run away from him. Roman Thomas III faces charges of human trafficking, false imprisonment, lewd and lascivious exhibition, and delivery of a controlled substance to a child. You know, I know the scriptures say, judge not lest ye be judged, but you know, I'm just gonna come out and say it. This Roman Thomas III guy, this guy's a real jerk. <laughs> <laughs> So rest in peace, Norm MacDonald. There's my cat, Charlie. Uh, every time he hears me laugh, he, he thinks I'm like crying or something. But uh, I was almost in tears, but rest in peace, Norm MacDonald. And at least I know that my dad and Norm are having a good time up there. So and that's all I got for history. I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope you got some good memes for me, Jake. So meet me up. I know you're a little younger than I am. I've adopted the attitude of the great Negro, Negro Leagues went on to become Negro, Negro. Alright, so check this out. The Subway Cashier watching you tap 0% for the tip. <laughs> That's a Vladimir face, right? A Zelensky face. Oh, man. I love the association with that pushy tip scam that has kind of like taken the world by storm where they shove it in your face and are like, uh, would you uh, complete the next window for me as you try to buy your coffee, which is a product that you're buying and, and not a service you're paying for. Uh, very different, but I thought that was funny. White House examining plans that deflect sun's rays to cool Earth. Oh, man. Uh, if you've looked into the conspiracy of chemtrails, uh, you'll find that there's actually an effort to, one, conceal it and to make it uh, 
taboo to bring up the topic of chemtrails because you're a, oh you're a conspiracy theorist you're somebody that believes you know and and hoodoo and and falsities but it's been widely proven that geoengineering and them seeding the skies with heavy metals is actually happening so uh i wanted to point that out but <laughs> This is old Biden trying to examine plans to deflect sun's rays to cool Earth. He's using sunglasses. All right. Watches the Food Network once. I made a pureed nut spread with a grape relish reduction paired with a brioche bun. <laughs> uh, sometimes that makes it taste better when you uh, really put in the effort like that, I feel like. Just a reminder that uh, you never realize what you've got till it's gone. You really never do. <laughs> what a place to realize that, right? With a beautiful imagination, you can often have pretty much whatever meal you want. Uh, something to fill your belly and something to imagine, right? <laughs> oh, man. Here's a biblical funny. And the angel said to him, Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. But lo, he could not, for the angel was hitting him with his own hands. <laughs> this is one of those famous pictures that uh, always depicts, you know, the wrestling of Jacob and the angel. Uh, so <laughs> it was funny because it does look like he's hitting himself with his own, with his hands. Uh, here's a good one. My parents spanked me as a child. As a result, I never... I now suffer from a psychological condition known as respect for others. <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, I found a explanation of uh, the you know the whole X Men series, right? Uh, well, no wonder so many men have recently taken the journey of transitioning to females. They want to be X Men. Uh, that's bad. All right. Uh, we're going to be at war forever, aren't we? Oh, no, 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 not forever. Just an indeterminate amount of time that will continue into eternity. <laughs> uh, says uh, the Black Rock spokesperson and uh, their puppeteers and their puppets. Now, this is uh, from the Smithsonian, right? Wow, those are great Halloween decorations. Thanks. They're antique. And if you look closely, you can tell that this skeleton is uh, a giant. The Smithsonian has for years hidden the Nephilim skeletons and the giants that have been discovered. And uh, we can find the reports in many old documents and newspaper clippings. And uh, the reason they hide it is because it challenges the evolutionary narrative. So, there we go. Here's a dig at Ford cars. <laughs> a, Ford, uh, a Ford toy that teaches you how to walk. How fitting. <laughs> so it's, a, it's a kid who, like, you know, walks around. Oh, man. I don't have that much against Ford. Uh, I had a truck once, but, uh, yeah, I can imagine uh, those Chevy people really like that meme, right? Now, Jeremiah, I know you've wondered what I would look like without a beard. You've asked me a few times if I'd be willing to shave it. I know I turned you down, but I, I wanted to share you this meme to uh, help you understand. When men shave off their beardy beards, they look like this. <laughs> so, you got old, old bearded Yoda there. 
and then he turns into Baby Yoda, Grogu. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty funny. All right, that's all the memes for this week. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the segment, and uh, hope you have a blessed Sukkot, those of you who are celebrating. And until next time, peace. Jake, thank you for another great current news as always. Opa, thank you for another great Opus Corner. I hope you guys enjoyed the history segment, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Never quit fighting. Let no man deceive you. Thank you for standing alongside us so we fight for justice and continue our quest for truth. Subscribe and stay tuned. If you would like to submit a story, topic, or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com. Also, email Jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560-271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon where you will get exclusive content, shoutouts, and much more. And you can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Skiba News Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcast on your favorite podcast platform.